Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kurkowski. Thank you for joining me today. So today I'm joined by Hector Gutierrez, the senior instructor with Strong First and the owner of HeartStyle Fitness Academy in Corpus Christi. So Hector is so amazing to talk to about strength. His approach to minimalism and programming, it's about as perfect as you can get in combining both intuition and structure. So these terms, intuition, minimalism, they're very popular in our training culture now. And like many things that get notoriety, they get misinterpreted very easily. And in this conversation, Hector gives one of the best explanations and examples of using both in his approach to deadlifting. So I learned so much from talking to Hector on this specific topic. Get your notebooks ready out for this one. All right, so with that, let's get to it. If you like this episode and you want to show the podcast some love, please rate and review it wherever you listen, and don't forget to subscribe so you can catch all new episodes that are dropped every single week. All right, thank you very much, guys. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome back, everybody. Hector, what's up, man? It's good to see you. It's been too long. Yeah, it's been over a year. It's been, yeah, it's been quite a bit. Like I said, we were just chatting away for a bit. It's like, we better start recording this. This is some good stuff we're diving into. Mm -hmm. So appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for jumping on. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for, thanks for reaching out. Yeah. So we've chatted a couple of times before, as I mentioned before, like you are one of the guys, I mean, we have a kinship through strong first that we connected with before, but the the message of clarity that you have of the, of the message that you put out specifically working with, you know, with men, we've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. I just think is so valuable. And, you know, all the stuff that I try and emulate and put out of the connection of the mental you know, uh, mental, physical, spiritual side you do on an everyday basis. So I really just, I appreciate the content that you're putting out. We've got a couple of cool topics I think we'll dive into uh, you yeah, know, today, but I, you know, just, I love everything that you're doing. So this is going to be a blast. Appreciate it. Yeah, man, for sure. Let's do it. Yeah. So, uh, so if uh, people don't know, I'm with Hector Gutierrez here. Um, it's the senior instructor with Strong First out of Texas. And we had a couple of really deep conversations on the Breakthrough Secrets podcast uh, before. Mm -hmm. One specifically kind of origin story, how you got into this world. Another one specifically on the Better Man Blueprint and the work that you do specifically uh, with guys with it, which was, you know, fascinating. We got a lot of great response uh, on the second one that we did specifically with guys that I know you've really, you know, put a lot of emphasis and work into that. So um, the I guess to kind of kick this off a bit, um, I know you've been working on the deadlift program for quite a bit now. Is that still something that you've been working on? Man, I'm I'm addicted to the deadlift. Are you? So, <laughs> yeah. So my whole deadlift journey, right, we all have an origin story. So I gave sure. you a kettlebell origin story, like mm-hmm. in a couple of podcasts. So my deadlift origin story is I've never really deadlifted before, you know, mm-hmm. prior to what I'm doing now. So like my background's in jujitsu. Yeah. So I've been training jujitsu, competing, all that stuff combined 21 years. Right. So I never even really took strength training serious until like 2006 mm-hmm. because the mindset of jujitsu guys is, well, you don't need to be strong. You need to work on your technique. Well, that's a half truth because you actually need to be strong in your technique. Right. So the stronger you are, the more efficient you're going to be grappling and mm. at the end of the day really strength from a like jujitsu perspective like strength off the mat is actually more folk should be focused around like health right mm. so you want to get stronger so you can be more resilient healthier that kind of thing right so right. anyway I didn't really start taking it serious until around like 2006 and that's kind of where the kettlebell kind of origin story came in I told that yep. whole story and then around 2013 um strong first had just launched like it was their first like opening year right uh i think they kicked off 
November 1st of 2012. And then in 2013, they started kind of announcing their certificate, like the, their new direction, right? Introducing barbell, introducing yeah. body weight certs. Mm-hmm. And so like you, I'm sure I was like, Ooh, barbell cert, anything strong first offers. <laughs> like I got, like, I got to be there, you know, especially if it's the first one, the inaugural yeah. one, right? Uh-huh. So the first inaugural barbell certification was in Tucson 2013. And I was like, I signed up. Yeah. And I have a habit of just making decisions and just doing something. And then like, I'll just figure it out along the way. Sometimes mm-hmm. it serves me well. Sometimes <laughs> it doesn't, it does, sometimes it doesn't serve me well. Sometimes it bites me in the butt. Ask, ask um, forgiveness but, rather than permission. Yeah. Yeah. So more often than not, it turns out pretty well. So anyway, mm-hmm. I signed up for this cert and I'm like, I've never barbell lifted really of, I've done bench press and whatnot, but I, I've never done anything with the intention. Like I'd strength train with kettlebells. Like I've never okay. been like intentional about it. I've mm-hmm. never followed a program. Like, I don't even know if I'm doing this thing. Right. So I was like, I'm, what, I was like, what are the strength standards? Like, I didn't even know yeah. what the standards were. So like I looked up the standards, like, okay, I got to deadlift twice my body weight. Yep. I've got to bench press. I think it's like one and a quarter or one and a half mm-hmm. times, something like that. So like, okay, well, that mean, and about that time, uh, I always competed jujitsu on 195, or I got away in at 190, and then with the gi, 195. So it's like, well, I got a deadlift basically 405. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I've never even lifted anywhere near that much amount wow, of weight okay. before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So buddy of mine, a colleague of mine ran a CrossFit gym here in Corpus. So I messaged him, I was like, hey, man, I said, would you mind if I like stopped by your gym, like middle of the day when no one's there? And like, I'm, I'm doing this certification that's going to require me to deadlift time at two times my body weight. Mm-hmm. I've never, never deadlift before. He's like, yeah, sure. Come over. And so I went in and I just kind of warmed up, you know, 135, few reps. And I just kind of added a yep. plate at a time. Three, I barely got to 350 before I was just like, it was like a nine effort out of 10. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm 50 pounds away. How am I going to add 50 <laughs> pounds to my deadlift? And like, and oh, and by the way, the cert was four weeks away. Okay. <laughs> So it's like, how am I going to deadlift? How am I going to add 50 pounds to my deadlift in four weeks? So anyway, I'm like nervous. I'm like, I've never failed the certification before. And this ain't going to be the first one. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I ended up, uh, some either, I either already had it. I just hadn't read it was, uh, I read Pavel and Andy, uh, Dan Johns, um, easy strength. Okay. And I ended up following the justice singles program that was in there, like pulling singles, like every single day. So I did that every single day. And at the event, I pulled 405, like at the event. Wow. It wasn't pretty, but like I pulled it. It was done. And yeah. I got it done. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and so um, I was like, wow, how the heck did I do that? How at 50 pounds. So that was crazy. And so then after that, I was like, I want to get this down. Like I want to get, I, I'm, I don't like the fact that something, if I can't understand something, so I'll just put all my effort laser focused into it till I get it right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, at, at the barbell cert, there was a big uh, programming segment. Mm-hmm. And so they broke it all down. And then in the manual where there were programs, so like, you know, when I get back, I'm going to dive into these programs. I'm just gonna start doing them. So I ended up doing one of the programs in the manual and man, for so this was like what mid 2013, mm-hmm. For over a year, I could not deadlift more than 405. I just could not. Stuck, yeah. I was just stuck. I just couldn't freaking do it. Mm-hmm. And I was just so frustrated. I was pulling conventional. I was like, I was just, and then I even tried, I was like, well, let me try pull sumo. That was freaking harder than pulling yeah. conventional. <laughs> like, I was just like, I could barely pull 315 sumo. Yeah. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like unbelievable. Like I'm so weak. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was eye-opening. And at that point, I just became addicted. I was like, I'm going to get this down. Okay. And so um, I, from there, I switched. Like, you know what? I'm not going to do any programs. I'm going to focus on just getting better at deadlifting. I'm just going to work mm-hmm. on the skills, work on the skill set. And then once I did that, uh, 2014, Pavel uh, sent out some experimental deadlift programs. Mm-hmm. I did it. And man, my deadlift, I pulled 405. I mean, a four, 440, so 200 kilos mm-hmm. at the end of eight, at the end of eight weeks. Wow. And, um, but at this time I'd switched to sumo. I was like, let me switch to sumo and like kind of see how that, mm-hmm. and again, I ended up starting really light because it's, I was actually weaker there. I just hadn't built the strength and that flexibility and whatnot. Right. Anyway, from, so basically to fast forward this whole story, once I switched to getting better at deadlifting, so I'm not doing any assistance exercises or anything like that. I'm like, I'm just going to focus on getting better at deadlifting. And then I switched to sumo and that took, that was a whole journey in, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But I ended up going from 2014 when I started, when I made my first breakthrough from 2014 to spring of 2018, I went from barely pulling 350 to pulling 639 yeah. without a belt no straps, mm-hmm. no assistance exercises, just getting good at deadlifting. Wow. And so as I started getting stronger, and I'm not training like a powerlifter, mind you. I'm not like deadlifting. This was, you know, we're going to talk about deadlifting every day, but I was deadlifting two, three, maybe four days out of the week, depending on the volume, but it was usually okay. two to three days a week because I always had jujitsu. Like jujitsu is always, everything I've ever done, like athletically that was, the was, priority. To, like, was to get mm-hmm. better at jujitsu, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm always trying to take this like minimalist approach. Like what's the one thing I can do that's going to give me the greatest impact. Like I talked sure. about this in one of our last podcasts was, I was like, I'm just going to snatch a kettlebell every day. Yeah. I don't know if you remember me talking about that. Right. So I was like, what's one I thing actually, I can do every I day? I actually took that and followed that for quite a bit of just doing a hundred a day. And it was one of my f- most fun few weeks, uh, right? few months just to roll in. It's like, oh. I know exactly what I needed to do. And you, you just, you build a different type of intuitive response of how your yeah. body feels from it. So yeah. That was one of my, like, I probably, if I, as I look back, other than the deadlift daily experiment that I did, like snatching every day, a hundred snatches is 24 kilo. Yep. It mm-hmm. became like this meditative, like it was very enjoyable. Like you hit it on the head. Like it was just an enjoyable thing. It didn't feel stressful. Mm-hmm. It didn't like, Oh my gosh, I got a snatch today. Like it was just like, I'm gonna do 10. I'm going to walk for 40 paces and back yeah. and I'm gonna do 10. Mm-hmm. And my heart rate, like never went over 120 beats a minute, yeah. you know, it's just very casual, but like, man, like my endurance was like so much better, you know? So anyway, see, I'm always trying to find that like minimalist, like super minimalist approach mm-hmm. to do something. So anyway, so that's kind of, that was like, so that's my deadlift story. So it's like, man, I went from like never being able to do it to mm-hmm. like, I'm going to make a decision and commit to getting better at this skill set. And just as that, as every, and I discovered so many gems in mm-hmm. doing the deadlift. I've created this whole, like, kind of like course and system yeah. around it. Um, but yeah, man, that, that's when things changed for me. It's when I actually focused on getting better at the skill of like deadlifting. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like a, a good four year kind of venture yeah. from almost pretty much a double, double your, your weight in four yep. years on that, of doing that every day with no accessories, just focusing on the skill deadlift. That's of it. the lift in there. Did you have a specific, was there a specific plan that you were following of like goals or were you kind of going in every day? on more of like an intuitive approach, like seeing how it feels mm-hmm. and kind of progressing based on certain things. Like how'd you kind of approach each day of going yeah. into the practice? Yeah. So, um, 
from the from like a an empirical standpoint so i planned everything out was like actual like training cycles if you would so when 2014 when pavel sent out those experimental plans mm-hmm. like my deadlift took off and i was like wow this is amazing well shortly after he announced plan strong which is basically like strong first programming method how to plan for barbell kettlebell body weight training right and mm-hmm. it's adapted from the soviet weightlifting model so he basically like look here's here's this plan strong thing. And this is a system that I used to create these experimental plans, basically. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, shoot, well, then I got to go to that course and figure out like how he did this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so from 2014, I that's when I got really heavy into program design, specifically mm-hmm. around the barbell deadlift, but I've planned it for like pretty much everything that, that we run it in, in our programs. And so everything was based off of variability. So varying volume, like you hear about the Delta 20 principle, varying yeah, volume mm-hmm. from session to session, day to day. And that's how I planned it out. So I'd cycles ranged anywhere from like eight weeks. I would do like eight weeks and then I would take like four weeks off. And then I would do another eight weeks and four weeks off. Some cycles were 12 weeks. It just kind of depend mm-hmm. on um, how I did the pre and also what kind of. Uh, so plan strong has two programming templates, if you will. Mm-hmm. One's called plan strong 70 and one is plan strong 50 plan strong yep. 70 is volume starts at 70% and above. And then okay. plan strong 50 is volume starts at 50% and above. And the difference between the two is like, let's say you're a jujitsu guy, you're a grappler, or you're some kind of athlete that needs to stay within a weight category. Mm-hmm. You would want to use plan strong 70 because you don't have to worry about hypertrophy. It's more like just a maximum strength building gotcha. mm-hmm. cycle. And then uh, if you're trying to put on muscle mass, maybe you're trying to move up a weight class or just, Hey, I mean, what guy doesn't want to put on some muscle, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, and we all know that muscle leads to health, you know, health longevity. It does definitely make you stronger. The bigger the muscle, you definitely get stronger. So anyway, to build muscle mass, you would use plan strong 50 because muscle is built in those 50 to 60% weight. So you can get mm-hmm. your volume in, right? And so it kind of depends on what your goal is. And so from time to time, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to put a little bit of muscle mass and I would run a 50 cycle. But I really switched to the 50 cycle also, but there's another reason to why I, I decided to use the plan strong 50 method was because as you're whatever weight you're lifting, for me, it was a deadlift. As that grows, you're going to want to use those lighter zones of intensity. So example, mm-hmm. I don't know if you, I don't know if you're familiar with um, um, Jamal Browner. No. So if, 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 when you, after this call, go to Instagram, look up Jamal Browner, this okay. guy, 240 tops weight, body weight has official in training in competition. He's pulled over this, but in training, has pulled, I want to say, 1,100 pounds at 240 pounds body weight. No gear, oh no, no uh, with a belt, and that's it. And he pulls hook grip. Holy shit. Okay, so they just, like, allow your mind to <laughs> explode there. So imagine the emoji on your phone with the brain exploding through his head. That's kind of like the moment I had when I saw this. I've been following this guy for a while. At, at, two, then, at, at 240? At 240. 240. And so like almost five times body weight, you know, that's, it's just like, it's insane. Yeah. And so um, in, in competition, I think he pulled over a thousand, but in training recently with, I think in training with straps, I think is when he pulled the 1100, it was like 501 kilos or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, anywho, but in training, in, in competition, he's pulled over a thousand wow. and the whole concept of, well, he pulls sumo, it's easier. And with conventional, he's pulled <laughs> like, in, with conventional, he's pulled like 950. So 
his his two <laughs> stances are only 50 pounds apart so that the argument that sumo is easier it, it's invalid that's crazy. so anywho yeah. anywho um I, how did i get onto that jamal browner um just the the 50 first 70 the 50 oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah thank you thank you for that so let's take him as an example 50% of his max is already 500 pounds. Right. So if he went with like a plant strong 70, all of his lifts are going to be at 700 or yeah. at a minimum. Yeah. So that's going to smoke you, yeah. right? So you want to be able to use those lighter weights from time to time. So as my, not that I pulled anywhere near a thousand yeah. pounds, but like for me relative, like I got to a point when I pulled that 640, um, I was like, man, in my mind, I was like, what if I can pull 700? Like, you know, cause it just yeah. becomes addicted. Oh, absolutely. Point, yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and that's kind of what my goal kind of be was like, how, how far can I go? What's my genetic potential? Like mm-hmm. how, but the moment that I, the moment that I felt like I had to start using assistance exercises, that's when I would be done with the journey. Cause I'm not trying to be mm-hmm. a power lifter. Right. I'm just a regular dude with the wife family yep. mm-hmm. and I love doing jujitsu. So, yep. mm-hmm. um, it got to a point after I pulled that 290 kilos, 639, the next cycle I started running, my average weight, the lightest weight that I'd be pulling was over 500. Right. Okay. And that just really started to beat me up a little bit. Yeah. You know, like my hips would get sore, things like that. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I mean, I've got to use those, uh, I got to use the lighter weights, you know, so yeah. how to stay in those centers. That's kind of why you would run like one of those two cycles. But yeah, to answer your, the, the, the main answer to your question is, mm-hmm. yeah, I had it all planned out. I knew exactly what I was pulling on specific days. And um, to this day, since 20, in training, since 2015, to this day, I haven't missed a single lift in training. Mm-hmm. I haven't missed a single rep. I've hit all of my planned lifts. Um, the only time I would miss a lift is if I was going for like a max attempt, you know, maybe I would miss, like I was mm-hmm. stuck at, I was stuck at 575 for a while. And then mm-hmm. out of nowhere, it just broke through. And then I hit uh, in the 2017, the fall 2017 TSC, I had the number one deadlift in the world. Mm-hmm. So I pulled, I pulled at that event, I think I pulled 621. And that was the top deadlift in the TSC that year. Wow. Um, and then after that, I rested, pulled another cycle, and then that's when I pulled 640 a few months yeah. later. It's so interesting with the different programs, because, and that's always a debate why people, oh, what's the best program? Like, well, it depends on where your level's at, because it's like yeah. a certain pro, like you almost kind of build your strength up where you like that program might work perfect for all these people in this range, but mm-hmm. you've almost kind of strengthened your way out of the effects of that, because it's like, yeah, like if, you know, if you're pulling 70%, well, if you're pulling a thousand pounds, that means you're going to be yeah. over 700, like 70%, 70%, you know, it's still 700 pounds, regardless of how strong exactly. you are. So, you know, that's where I think it's such an important point that I think people get stuck often in like, well, this worked, be, this worked really well for me before. And especially mm-hmm. like you buy into certain programs thinking, yeah. oh, well, it's going to work exactly the same again. It's like, no, like the same program might not work exactly the same way down the yep. line. And I think a lot of people can get stuck in that mindset, especially in the beginning, you know, steps, you know, with it too, like what you do right at the beginning to go from doing nothing mm-hmm. to decent, it's mm-hmm. probably going to be a different journey when you get to decent to good and then good to great. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that because you're, that's so true. Like, and that's, that's, I think that's what led me to my, some of my breakthroughs in my, the, the two heaviest pulls that I pulled was, 
you know, the plan that gets you to say, for instance, the plan that gets you from double body weight to two and a half bot times body weight won't be the same plan that gets you to three times body weight. It can't be because mm-hmm. it's this, it's got the same volume. It's got the same intensity. Like yeah. those, those, those metrics and those variables need to change. Um, and so when I broke through to 622 and 640, those were all new trainings. So from, like I said, from 24, 14 to 2018 when i broke through that i pretty much ran the three same cycles just over and over Mm. Uh, but each each one was different though but i ran this series of plans uh, and and just kept tweaking the plans almost to like i got them like perfect you know and um but eventually i hit that like i I couldn't progress any further it's like you know Mm -hmm. i think it's time to write a new series of training plans and that's when I started seeing, you know, breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And so we wrote this training series. I call it the 260 series. And it's basically three deadlift training plans. One is a, a it's two 12-week cycles. And then it closes with an eight-week cycle. So basically, it's a year's worth of deadlifting, like all, okay. all in one year. And that plan with myself and a lot of our students that have gone through that, it, within that year, on average, most of our students have been putting almost 100 pounds on their deadlift. Wow. In, in a year. And now these are beginners. So beginners are always going to see fast. See the jumps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to see those fast jumps right away. Um, but personally with my own training, like you said, like you see those fast jumps in the beginning, as you start reaching your near like genetic potential, you don't see those big jumps anymore. You usually see like five pound jumps and things like that. Right. I was still making 20 and 40 pound jumps, even as I broke mm-hmm. through that, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. So like normally, like I said, you normally at the end of a training cycle, you have like a 4% increase or something like that, right? which is like, you know, 10, 15 pounds. I went from, so I went from 405 to 440, 440 to 484, 484 to 529, 529 to 551. I was stuck at 551 for like a good six months. Then I went from five, uh, then I went to 575. Mm-hmm. And then from 575, 622, and then after 622, 640. So these are big jumps. They're not like yeah. these little five and 10 pound increases. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's yeah. What do you think? And, what do you this think is it was? Big. Yeah. What do you think it was at that like 550 mark that just gets stuck on that? Was it just needed a new program or the body was just starting to resist back? It's so kind of crazy that that can just happen. And I wish there's like logical answers on it in yeah. many ways, but sometimes it's like, I don't know, like, did, was, was there something going through your mind at that point? Like what the hell just happened here? Yeah. Like, man. Okay. So this is where I believe like all the mental stuff comes into mm-hmm. play. And, um, you know, it's funny for like once a year, I make it a, 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 a um, not a goal, but I make it a, a point to, you ever read the book think and grow rich yeah okay so i read that book at least once a year mm-hmm. and just every single time i read that i, I there's little nuggets that i found like, man how did i miss this right yeah. and there was something he said towards the end of the book he said um the person who gives what do he say he said the person that gives expression by word of mouth or just any kind of negative destructive thought you will experience that in reality yeah so like just the thought that like, man, I'm going to be stuck here or something like that. I think that just kept me stuck in this rut. Mm-hmm. And I just made a decision like I'm going to break through this. Like I remember at the end of the TSC when I finally pulled it, when I finally got through to um, 
when I finally broke through 550 and I got to 575 with TSC, I took a picture. I loaded up um, 600 pounds on the barbell. Mm-hmm. This is the same event. I loaded up 600 pounds and I just took a picture of it, took a picture of it. And then I posted it like on my social media. And I said like 600 coming like the yeah. next, the next mm-hmm. TSC. That was fall of, no, that was spring of 2017. Mm-hmm. And so I took a picture of 600 and 305 kilos. I think it was a 305 kilos. No, 272 kilos was like 600. Mm-hmm. And I was like 270, whatever kilos coming soon. That fall is when I pulled 622. I didn't wow. pull 600. I pulled 620. <laughs> so I just, again, it's that when you, when you make the decision, I think that's it. Like, that's just, I think that's everything in life. I think mm-hmm. that's people who like, man, I don't know why I can't break through this challenge that I have. I don't know why sure. I can't lose this weight. I don't know why I can't like, I don't know why I can't do this enter whatever thing that you're bumping up against. I think it just comes down to making the decision that you're going to have it, making the decision that it's yours. Yeah. And when you make that like mental shift, man, that's when I believe like things start to really change. Mm-hmm. And so what I tell myself literally every deadlift session now is I, at the people, probably, I don't even know if anybody can hear me when I'm next, mm-hmm. when I'm like next mm-hmm. door to me in the gym is before every set, I, at the top of my voice, I say, I'm a 705 pound deadlifter. Mm-hmm. I'm a 705 pound deadlifter. I just say it over and over. And then I pull the weight. And then right before I pull the weight, I'm like, this is the fastest I've ever pulled this weight. I just say that out loud. This is the fastest yeah. I've ever pulled this weight. And then, and it always is. And that's how I've never, haven't missed a lift since, yeah. since 2015. Yeah. And that's, so I'm very careful more. So, you know, as, as time goes on, because, you know, that's those weights get intimidating. They absolutely. get intimidating, right? When you start like, I mean, in the back of your mind, there's always kind of like the, this thought, like, again, I try to choose not to have, I no, I don't try not to choose. I do I choose not to have this thought, but there's sometimes in the back of your mind, there's like, this is the day I could destroy my back. Mm. Like that's kind of there, yeah. you know? So it's like, do I want to allow that into my subconscious or not? But it's kind of there. Right. Um, and that's why when I step up to the bar, I'm like, I'm a 705 pound deadlifter. This is the fastest I've ever pulled this weight. Like I'm be very, I'm very cautious of the words that I say to myself. And I'm very cautious of the thoughts that I choose to allow into my mind. Right. Um, and, I, and, I, and I'm very intentional with that now yeah. as I get older, as I get more experience in life, mm-hmm. but that stuff bleeds over into every aspect of your life, mental, physical, spiritual, everything. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting, the, the, the power of affirmations there. You know, I don't know if, um, I don't know if you've seen, there was a new show that just came out limitless. It's with the guy who plays Thor and uh, it's mm-hmm. all about like health and longevity and like they do different tasks. And there was one uh, about this woman who is like a high line walker where she's pretty much like on a tightrope over like, a mountain where it's like Uh underneath her is, you know, a thousand feet of dead air, (laughs) you know? And I mean, she's hooked up, but still she's walking on her toes, like with no way like this, she's just doing a long tightrope walk. But the way she speaks to herself is like, Mm -hmm. come on, like you got this. And you can even hear in the tone that Mm -hmm. she's like having that power of affirmation. And it was so powerful when I heard that of like, as you were just saying, like, I'm a 705 pound deadlifter, like just just saying it over and over again, I think, and I'd be curious what you think about this, Hector, is like, I think people understand that, but when they put it into practice, we might think that those moments of doubt then are just going to magically disappear. 
when in reality, like it's probably always going to be there in some way. Mm -hmm. Like if you're continuously pushing and trying to get to a level that maybe you've never experienced before, there's going to be some thing of doubt in there. Like, oh, what if I do this? What if I do that? That will never go away. But the faster that you can transition away from that thought into the good things where you're putting affirmations out there, Mm -hmm. that's when you really experience the next level and you kind of can keep progressing from there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause your, your brain's 24 hours a day. Your brain's job is to gather information. Like yeah. it's to, to keep you alive, keep you safe, avoid pain, seek pleasure. Those are the three things your brain's always trying to do, right? That whole homeostasis thing. Um, and you're going to have those thoughts into your mind. Like, Oh, here's this thought. Right. But the meaning that we choose to give those thoughts is, is the game changer. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you literally just, have to brainwash yourself to believe yeah. it because when you first when you say the thing you're not going to believe it right. you have to say it enough like over and i really actually believe that there are there's data there's statistics that if you say to yourself i like myself enough times you hear the same thing too you repeat a lie long enough you're going to believe that it's true mm-hmm. right and so that's where every the, the battle is always for the mind the battle is always for the mind. Um, yeah. St. Thomas Aquinas talks about this, and he talks about the, the human person and the will, and this is within the context of temptation, right? Mm-hmm. And so from a spiritual religious perspective, he says that if you practice your Catholic faith and you, and you have a life of prayer, your intellect is strengthened. And so our intellect ultimately masters our passion and our emotions, so our and, and our faith forms our intellect, our, our the spiritual, the religious side of us forms our intellect. And it's always our intellect that governs our will, right? Because mm-hmm. our, our intellect causes our will to act. So when temptations come, when fear, when doubt, when these things come, um, we need our will to kick in to to break through that. And the only way for the will to break through is that is to is to elevate your intellect. And so how mm-hmm. do you do that? Through prayer, through your religious studies, through mm-hmm. affirmations, through like it's it's all over scripture. It's all over a lot of a lot of religions all over the world. Right. Like, you know, I think it's Proverbs 1821 says the power of life and death is in the tongue. Right. And so we have a power. We have a power spiritually in our mind and that's it's that mind that brings into our physical realities so on and so forth so mm-hmm. the more i've gotten into that it's like man i just got to be very careful with the things that you say to yourself you know um when you have a challenge when you have something that happens it's like you know what it's an opportunity for me to grow to learn from this experience and then you mm. just from there don't look at it, it's like oh i'm never going to get the deadlift down oh i'm never going to do this well now you're not like right. You literally, and you hear these cliches, like, but it's true. Like it really, really happens. Look at it just from an everyday perspective. Like if you have this mentality of like, um, oh man, like today's going to be a crappy day. And then like someone like runs into your car at the, at the grocery store with a shopping cart or something, yeah. you know, it's just like you, you're bringing that upon yourself. Um, right. And no, the more that, the more, the more we entertain these destructive thought impulses, even just the thought without the words leads to that physical reality. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you say something like, and we use that all the time, like, oh, it was a good day or it was a bad day. And I actually just Mm -hmm. wrote about this for my community. It's like, well, what does that mean? If you actually break that down logically, you had a bad day, 
Well, if you break it down, you had a bad like 10 minute segment of mm-hmm. something that didn't go well. Like there's a lot of other right. times. So it's like, well, how many things have to go wrong in the day in order to calculate it as a bad day? It's like, this can be so subjective right. in different ways when in reality, it's like, yeah, you might, and I, you know, I got this a lot from working with Brett and Iron Cardio where it's like, you know, you're doing single rep complexes all the time. There's a lot of sets over there where it doesn't feel good. It's like, oh, that was a bad set. Okay, well, you work on in the next one. Okay, you put a new focus. Okay, maybe 25 felt really good. Five didn't feel good. You know, your clean was messed Mm -hmm. up. You didn't have good, you know, traction through your press and stuff like that. It's like, well, was that a bad session? It's like, no, there was a few bad reps in there. And it's, um, you know, it's, you know, it's all about kind of, I think, you know, turning that tune and the power, as you said, of just the mind and the thought and with the tongue of what you say to yourself. Do you think that like people who are just getting started, I always was curious about this of like people who are just getting started, like the beginner versus Mm -hmm. maybe like intermediate and advanced. Do you think like, do beginners understand this? Like, do you think it's even like important for them to even understand this piece first or is it like, do they need to build the discipline of just getting the practices down first and then you can introduce these things? Yeah, I, I, this is, I think this is just definitely a higher level of awareness, I think is what it comes down to. And most people, it's not in their level of awareness that they need to improve their intellect or their um their mindset for like a mm-hmm. common word, right? Most people don't see this. Uh, it, it's, it's not in their awareness. Mm-hmm. And um, they figure, well, I'll just hit the weights. You know, that's, I, I think just getting on the bar, let's just say from a deadlift in the context yeah. of deadlifting, mm-hmm. getting on the bar and just practicing. So we have this concept um, like in our training system that we you know run in my gym and in our online programs is I've basically broken it down into what I call two engines. You got the strength engine and you got the power engine. And so the strength engine is basically this, it's super minimalism. So the, the strength engine, I like to think of it as like a three-part filter, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you're going to decide to do a training program. Um, the strength engine consists of a less is more approach, fewer moving parts, and then high accessibility. Like, so if you're going to do a program, which would probably align to what iron cardio is mm-hmm. <laughs> like just super minimalist, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, fewer moving parts, let's just say within the context of kettlebells, single kettlebell training, mm-hmm. right? Um, two kettlebell, double kettlebell training is not minimalism because it's two kettlebells. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I believe uh, strong first, uh, one of their mantras is in case civilization is temporary, right. right? So only take with you that which you can carry. So you can carry a 16 or 24 kilo with you anywhere pretty much you go, mm-hmm. right? Um, from the barbell perspective, barbell is not minimalist training because you need barbells and plates, right? right. But mm-hmm. if you're going to train with a barbell, I recommend like to align to this like fewer moving parts is train with the limited number of weights, meaning only train with the 45s, the 25s and the 10s, 10, mm. 10 pound plates. Don't use the fives and the five and a half, the two and a half. Okay, and the one yeah. pound. Like all those little things. And the, here's the reason why for that. Um, you can uh, really sneak up on strength that way. And you don't have to really get your volume in. You know what I mean? But when you're using limited plates, your jumps are big. Yeah. Just like kettlebell. Like you're going to go from like, you know, going from like a 32 to a 36 kilo, that's a big jump. It's like a yeah. 17 plus percent jump. Yeah. Right. And the just notable difference in the scientific community is 2%. 2%. Yeah. 
So just notable difference is 2%. You're making a 17% jump. Like you're going to, your nervous system is really going to notice that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so how do you make, how do you clear that gap? You got to get your volume in, got to get your reps in. Right. And so I like that, like limited weights. Every time I plan out plans for myself, I always plan limited weights to really force me to stay within particular intensity zones to own particular weights. And then high accessibility is just like being able to take something with you everywhere you go. That's what, that's the beauty of the kettlebell. That's the beauty of body weight. Body weight is the highest expression of high accessibility because where your body's at, you can do push-ups and squats and pull-ups like pretty much anywhere you go. Yeah. Um, But what I want to focus on right now is like the less is more approach because I break Mm -hmm. this down into like four different parts. And this is all specific for beginners to understand. Um, Number one, I think, and this is, this is what changed the game for me when I couldn't deadlift more than 405 was I needed to understand the concepts of strength training, like the why behind the how. Why am I gripping this way? Why am I setting up this way? Why am I breathing this way? Like, why am I? Because I can watch YouTube videos and just emulate what I right. see. But like, I don't know why they're doing certain things. Why are they doing whatever it is that they're doing, right? Mm. And so that's when I started like, like, so you know what? I want to get better at deadlifting. So I needed to understand why I was setting up a very specific way. I um, mean, I found a lot of things within that. So mm. the reason why I recommend starting there is because once you understand like why you're doing something, you can, that moves us to the second part. You can now practice those concepts, mm. right? So now you can practice your setup. You can practice the clean or whatever it is that you're doing. And I recommend people that are just getting started in strength training to look at their exercise as a practice. We hear that a lot. This, mm-hmm. this is a big part of the strong first system, skill training versus workout. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what iron cardio is. If you think about it, it is 100%. a one rep at a time. Mm-hmm. It's high skill training because you're only doing one rep. So you're really not even, you're probably not even breaking a sweat in the session yeah. until you're 10, 15, mm-hmm. like sets into it. Yep. But every time you're repeating your setup, every time you're working the groove of the press, every time you're working whatever aspect is, right? So that's skill training. Mm-hmm. Then the third part of the less is more approach is the professional application of tension, knowing how much tension you need to apply to get the job done. And mm-hmm. I think oftentimes, because tension is a, it's a, it's a, it's not a new thing, but it's, um, it's a sexy thing now, getting tight. Powerlifters talk about this all the time, yep. right? But if you make, this is um, dominata, right? The, mm-hmm. the dominant thought. So if we focus too much on tension, that becomes the main event, then we miss the lift. Yes. So we want to be able to focus on the lift, focus on what needs to happen, but still execute the lift, right? So knowing how to apply tension, it's going to make you stronger. You're going to get more from your efforts with less. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one, this is... Um, or I think applies to everything, jujitsu, barbell deadlifting, pressing a kettlebell, is knowing how to master leverage through posture and positioning. So I've come to realize that posture and positioning is everything in all sports, all strength, mm-hmm. all jujitsu, because the stronger your posture is, right, the better your posture is, the better positions you're going to get into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The better the positions that you have, the more leverage that you're going to have. Yes. Right. So barbell deadlift, the more that the bar gets away from you, you lose leverage. Mm -hmm. It gets exponentially heavier. And uh, so knowing how to apply the tension by pulling the bar into you, knowing how to 
wedge yourself into position that gives you maximum leverage. Mm -hmm. So just understand all that is based around skill practice. Yeah. So those are literally, so literally what I would do is, you know, I had my deadlift training for the week. Okay. I'm gonna pull three days this week. One day a week I dedicated to um, technical, which is what I call technical training. Basically it's skill training. So what, what I would do is I would set a timer for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and I would just get on the bar and I would practice wedging myself into position until I got the weights to break off the floor. I would hold it for two seconds, put the weight. I would never lift it. I just break the floor, start over, break the floor, Oof. start over. And I did that. I would do like, I only do it three times because it's exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> and I would do that within a 20 to 30 minute time frame. I'd probably do like five sets of that. And that was okay. my deadlifts training for the day. Mm -hmm. And so that is building strong posture. Yeah. Because the hardest part for people is getting into that Pulling position that floor. Yep. and pulling, right? Um, so that's part of the less is more approach. So that in and of itself built that intramuscular coordination, getting your muscles to coordinate to get, I'm sorry, intermuscular mm -hmm. coordination, getting your muscles to coordinate together as a unit to execute an exercise. Yeah. And so yeah. I think- if I were a beginner, I would recommend starting there. Understand why you're doing what you're doing. Then take those whys, because that when you understand the why, the how is easy, right? Then practice. Practice deadlifting. Practice setting up, you know? And um, work on building your posture. Work on building, improving your position. And you only can do that through the skill practice. Right. That's what I would do if I were a beginner. Yeah. And that in and of itself is going to feel like a workout. 100%. Well, I mean, just the focus aspect of it for the mentality. And, uh, you know, I like the the breakdown that you talked about with the minimalist approach, because even that word, I've had some conversations with different people. And I think many have misinterpreted what that word means, where mm -hmm. it's like minimalist doesn't mean minimal effort, you're still putting right. in a lot of work, you're still a putting in effort. a lot of effort into it, you're just um, you know, bringing it down into, and I love that there's no accessories, as you said, not a power lifter, like you're focused mm -hmm. on just building this skill up the amount of energy that that actually reserves where all you're doing is putting all that energy into one specific thing, mm -hmm. um, of just building the skill up. And when you talked about posture, I just had Danny Casey who owns New York weightlifting Academy on here and all his work in Olympic lifting. That was the three things he said. He worked with everybody, posture, position, and control. There it is. If, if you get all three of those, like then that's when you see guys who have smaller frames, they're lifting tremendous amount of weights. They've mastered their posture. They've mastered yep. that leverage over there. And it is, I think for beginners too, I think, you know, especially um, as coaches who are working with beginners, like you take this approach of getting them to understand the why, mm -hmm. like they're going to feel probably a lot better about it. Like they're yeah. not just blindly following a program because the coach said to said, right. you know, said it, they actually are now part of the process. They recognize why we're switching the hand grip, why you breathe this way, mm -hmm. why you get in there. So I think, you know, oftentimes as coaches, when you have a beginner, you think like, Oh, just start getting them moving, just getting them in. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, step back and explain it a bit, like bring them part of the process. I think that's a big part of coaching. Yeah. And ultimately that leads to consistency right? Because yeah. they're not going to be beat down. They're not going to be broken. They're not going to be sore. So that leads to consistency and consistency is the mother of progress, right? Like yeah. If you're, if you're so sore because you're just getting in and lifting the weights, like you're going to miss training sessions. And the last time I checked, like missed training sessions doesn't get results, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I tell you what, like just doing that, like that way. And 
since people can't see this, it's hard to even show you, mm-hmm. but in this practice of this like technical setup, like we're all familiar with the, a lot of people are familiar with the wedges. I talk about this mm-hmm. a lot on my channel. Um, I've discovered that there's actually five different aspects of the wedge. There's five different components to it. Mm-hmm. And um, it all just came down from breaking it down. Um, and uh, I cover this some on some of my channels, but once, and so what I'll do now is when I do my technical training, sometimes I'll just focus on one of those pieces. Like I'm just going to focus on this one aspect of the wedge. Mm. Um, all of them lead to the same road, which is maximum leverage. But it got to a point to where I would do this practice because why, why wedge? Like, it's like, why would you want to do that? Well, for one, it gives, obviously gives you the leverage. But think about this. When the weights are light enough, the weight, you'll see the weight start to float up off the floor. Mm-hmm. And the, the value and the benefit of that is you have virtually removed that much weight off the bar. Right? So think about it. If you, let's say 225, you, if you get in a position, you, you wedge, you get in that position, and those weights pop up off the floor. Mm-hmm. But one, you've already shortened the distance, which is the goal of the deadlift, is to pull the weight the least distance possible. So you've already, you've already accomplished that. And number two, you've already virtually removed 225 off the bar. Mm. Right? So... If you can virtually move 225 off the bar and you're going to pull 500, it's almost like half the weight. Huh. This is just my own, yeah. my own notes, my own personal yeah. journal. So I got to a point to where um, my last training cycle I did, I would do this and, and I would practice this technical stuff. I would practice this in the actual lift and training itself from what I did in the technical training. And it got to a point, I think my best wedge, it's not like you want to go and set a PR for like, how much can I wedge? (laughs) But um, it got to a point to where just wedge alone, I'm, I'm breaking without pulling, breaking over 500 off the floor without pulling. Wow. You know, so now I've virtually removed that much weight off the bar and it's a straight shot from, from that point, you know, but all that comes with that constant technical training, you know? So that's, um, I recently did a, uh, uh, I'm always doing experiments yeah. <laughs> with the deadlift. And um, again, I'm always looking for that minimalist. Like what's the, what can I do to take me to that next level minimalist? So I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? And actually I have to give credit to Brett for this. Cause it kind of uh, uh, inspired the idea. Um, I just applied it to the deadlift um, using the plan strong stuff and whatnot. So we had a program in improv pack this past April and um, Brett was there and everything. And I, I kind of been, you know, keeping up with his, you know, his, his little training logs on Instagram. And um, I was like, what if I pulled singles on the barbell every day, just singles, like nothing else, just singles. And um, this would give me an opportunity for skill practice. Um, and it would be some maximal weights. So basically what I did was I took like my 80% and I did a strength test with this. Okay, take 80%. I'm gonna see how many times I can pull it. Um, I ended up, uh, I think my, I went with a, like a conservative 80%. It was like 575, uh, 475 or mm-hmm. something like that. So it should have been around like my five to seven rep max. I ended up pulling it for 10. I probably could have pulled more, but it's like, I'm gonna stop right there. Mm-hmm. And so based off of that, I selected my weights. And so I was like, I just did singles. And it would be a roll of the dice. I roll the dice yeah. and based on that roll, I was like, okay, my training sessions would range from 15 to 30 minutes based on the die roll. Mm-hmm. So, and then what I would do there is whatever the time was 15 minutes, I'd pull a single every minute on the minute okay, for 15 minutes. And my weights ranged, I only pulled 80, 85 and 90% weights, which was roughly about 70% of my maximum. Mm-hmm. 
And so I'd pull it just a single on the minute. And um, it got to a point to where, and one day, and I only did it for four weeks. One day out of that month, I was like, I'm going to see how long I can go. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing a whole hour, a minute, a single on the minute wow. for an hour. I think I pulled, I think the weight I pulled with that was 435, one on the minute, every minute for an hour. I ended up pulling, actually miscalculated, I ended up pulling 62 singles in an hour. <laughs> but at the end of that, <clears throat> I just felt great. Like every setup, just like the iron card, yeah. I'm sure like every set seemed to get, yeah, there was a few of those like, ah, oh, that was a crappy set, you know, like yeah. though you, you get those thrown in there, but like 50 out of that 62 were like amazing. Yeah. And each one just seemed to get better and better and more locked in and more locked in. And my last pool, I would say was probably better than my first one. And a mm. lot of, and a lot of those in between at the end of that cycle, I ended up pulling, I, I went up, I think 4% and did another strength test. And I ended up pulling 495 for 10. Wow. Just pulling singles, like not going crazy. So it allowed me to uh, follow that whole less is more approach, mm-hmm. right? Skill. It was a, basically a 30 minute practice, one single, right. On the minute, mm-hmm. um, knowing how to apply the right amount of tension to get the job done. I'm practicing leverage posture. I'm working on the wedge every single set. And then in the end, it was, you know, four night, 495, I think it was first, first set of 10. And mm-hmm. now I'm on a new, now I'm on a new training cycle. And then I did the whole deadlift daily experiment, which okay. you know, that's something that you wanted to, yeah. <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> oh, we got deep into it. Yeah. It's, no, this is such a, I mean, this is such a cool, real, you know, geek out on the details of, of strength work in here. Cause you know, as you said, kind of like you can keep breaking it down and breaking it down. And in some things, if you don't have the experience on it, or this could go over your head in many ways, but it's like, no, if like, if you focus on all these little details of it, like, you know, the why behind each part. And mm-hmm. as you just said, like, just even understanding the wedge, like you, you practice that and you get good at that all of a sudden your deadlifts could probably just shoot right through the roof, you know, because yep. you just worked on one of the toughest parts of the technical lifts and mm-hmm. broke it down so much into mastering that piece. And it is, I think it's very similar into, you know, the iron cardio, you know, realm, you know, I kind of got introduced to that when I started this new business and mm-hmm. I needed more of like an intuitive approach. Like I didn't have mm-hmm. the mindset to go deep into like following such a structured, organized program. And Brett's like, all right, mm-hmm. just, we'll kind of do this daily, you know, kind of mm-hmm. see how you feel. And like, as you were talking about uh, before, like with the snatching daily, like that was part mm-hmm. of the program. And it was like 24 K just do a hundred. And it's like, break it down in different pieces. You say, Oh, this is how it feels at fives. This is how it feels at tens. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is like the recovery. All of a sudden yeah. you start seeing these little details. It's actually a really enjoyable way, you know, to live and to, and to really build this strength up in here. So I love the breakdown that you got. What was the difference? Was there a difference at all in your mindset of like the structured program into more of like that, like the four week cycle versus like the training, the deadlift daily that you were doing? Yeah, I um, I would definitely say, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's, I don't even know if I can explain this correctly because they were both like enjoyable. When I did the deadlift daily thing, um, I enjoyed the whole cycle. I did it for 85 straight days mm-hmm. and it never got to a point where I was like, oh man, like, I don't want to pull today. Like I, I looked forward to like every single training session. They were just different in their own way. Um, if anything, I would say um, the the singles 
the power singles program was like, it just became meditative. It was like, before, like, before I knew it, like when I did that whole, like 60, one hour, like it's just something in my head said, do an hour. Kind of like Brett says, like he would set a number, like I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And that's my target. Right. And so like, I just had that. I was like, I'm just going to pull for an hour and just see what happens. I blinked and I was like on set 37 and I was like, how did I get to 37? Cause I would like on my little watch, I would hit like the lap and I yeah. knew how many sets I was doing. I was like, 37 like I just got lost in the moment if yeah. you will you know um when I was doing the the so it was almost like I didn't have to think about it as much yeah the dead of daily I had to be very focused on what I was doing because I was pulling heavy weights mm, okay but they were both super enjoyable there was never a moment where I was like oh man I don't want to pull it like I looked forward to it but each had its own the mental focus. side was a little different. Yeah, yeah it was different you know like when I was pulling the singles, it's like, I'm only pulling, not that, I mean, you got to respect every single weight, but like in my mind, I knew well, I'm only pulling, I'm not, I'm pulling, I think it was like four, eight, 385 to 435. Those were my, most were my weights. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm only, the, max, the most I'm going to pull is 435, mm-hmm. which is, doesn't require a lot of effort in my mind to pull, right? I can step up to 435 without a warm up and pull it easy, right? But when I'm doing the deadlift daily, I was getting into the high fives, yeah. you know? So I'm like, I mean, I had to really be focused on the wedge, what I was doing, like all that, you know? So I think there were just like the mental side was a little bit different, but like, as far as like the process, man, it was very super enjoyable. Yeah. And so at the end of 2021, um, I'm always looking for something to do. And I was like, what would happen if I pulled the barbell every day? Like, has that even been done? Like, right. <laughs> you know, it also got me thinking, which uh, when I was, when I did that whole hour of singles on the deadlift, yeah. I was like, I wonder if anybody has ever set a Guinness book of world record, how many times you can pull a barbell in 24 hours at four Oh five. I was like, Hmm. Experiment maybe. Anyway. Oh my God. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> you know, so, it's like a while ago. It's uh, I think Dan John put out a, an article once about like six workouts, like to try before you die or something like that. And me and my buddy, okay. it was a hundred singles in a workout and we were going, we were going relatively light with it, but we pulled a hundred singles um, in a workout, not realizing like, yeah, dude, if we do this on the minute, this is going to be like an hour and 40 minute workout that we're yeah. doing. And like no, and we, I, we were going pretty, we were going pretty light. I think I was like around like two eighty five or something like that with it. But, um, so it's like something you can always step up and pull, right? And it's like, but just like you said in there, kind of, we got in this almost like flow state for a while, where it's like, you know, we had a like a whiteboard on the side where I just like wrote out one to a hundred, and every time right. we went up, you would just put a cross out on one, so you knew where you're at, and right. you just almost got into this like different Zen mindset where it's like, you knew you could pull it every time, but you also knew if you just went up and just did it lollygag, like Mm -hmm. it's still enough weight that you're going to fuck something up and something else is going to happen. So it is, it's interesting of doing some challenges like that. And kind of like what you said, like, what if it's a, you know, sometimes that's the coolest way to approach training of just like, what if I did this, see what happens. Yeah. That's how I approached the snatch thing. I was like, oh, what would happen if I snatched a hundred snatches every day? Like what would happen? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was like my approach. And I did the deadlift daily thing. It's like, what happened if I, like, what would happen if you pulled the barbell every single day? Like, you know, traditional like approaches is like at the end of a deadlift cycle, you take four weeks or whatever off 
right? You do some maintenance work, whatever, and then you can start the next cycle. So I was like, well, what if I just like kept going? So yeah. the initial experiment was 30 days. So I wrote out a plan, very specific, the numbers I was going to hit, like everything, but it was a combination of like the structured, like plan training, but it was also a blend of intuitive training. And how I applied the intuitive was like normally, let's say within the context of, let's say plan strong, you plan out the whole month, right? So you know exactly what you're doing. Day, day one, you're pulling this many times, day, right? And you got it all planned out. So what I did was I planned out exactly like that, but I planned each day individually based on, because I'm going to be pulling it every day. So based on how I pulled Monday, here's what I'm going to pull Tuesday. Based how mm. I did Tuesday, here's what I'm going to pull Wednesday, right? So I would never like pre-select my weights. I would never, uh, the volume was pre-selected because I needed to make sure I was changing the volume up. Okay. Mm. But I never like pre-planned my weights. Because if I pulled, let's say the day before I pulled 505, I was like, man, that was awful. I'm not going to pull 505 again right. tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull 485. Okay. Right. Uh, but that 485 was still within the range of the intensity zone. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So let's say 71 to 80. Let's say within 71 to 80, I had like 475, 485, 595, and 505. Okay. Mm -hmm. I had that range. So I had a, gotcha. a range to choose from. Mm -hmm. So if I pulled 495 Monday and it was like nothing, I was like, oh, I'm going to pull 505 today then. Gotcha. So but it's I'm still like, in, but you're, I'm still you're in the, playing I'm, in the, you're playing on this field. You can play however you want inside exactly. the, out of bounce lines. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I had a lot of, uh, uh, flexibility mm -hmm. in what I was going to lift, but as long as I hit those weights within that zone, I was in line with, with what I had planned out. So that's kind of how I planned it. And, um, the way I ran the cycle was it was seven days lifting and I did three days in a row. And then in the middle of the week, which was Thursday, that was my technical day. Mm. And I would just practice the setup. I would, that's all I would do. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't go, I would, I wouldn't go above 400. It was always like pretty light, just mm -hmm. working on positions, sometimes only deadlifting up to my knees, holding it and putting it down, just right. like practicing different things. And I would only do that for 20 minutes. I wouldn't go any longer than that because mm. I had to pull again the next day. Well, at the end of, the first 30 days, man, I was feeling pretty dang good. And I ended up adding 50 pounds in 30 days. So I went, so at the end of the cycle, I pulled, I did a train, like a training max, like even though like I'd pulled 639 prior to that deadlift daily that I started at the beginning of this year, I really hadn't followed a deadlift cycle in that time frame because you had the pandemic kick off, you had all yep. this stuff going on. So it's just like, I haven't even really been barbell deadlifting. And eh, once a week, once a month, I'd probably pull out the plates and I'd do a few sets, yep. but mm -hmm. nothing planned. <clears throat> so I pulled like a sort of training max. It was like 505. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I just planned my numbers off of that, off of that as a one RM. I ended up going from, and that 505 was like, eh, like an eight okay. effort. And then and 30 days, I pulled 555 and it was like seven. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, definitely got stronger in yeah. 30 days. Yeah. You know? Well, after that, you would normally take some time off. Well, I the next day was a technical day. So I used that as a recovery. Mm -hmm. And then I went right into the next 30-day cycle of it. And okay. I was back to pulling over 500 the very next day. Like no, no issues. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Wow. And um, just kept going with it. I never over... Well, hold on. You know what? Let me back up a second. Mm -hmm. 
the first week of the deadlift protocol is like, I'm going to take this intuitive approach. I'm going to, cause I don't know, never done this before. Mm-hmm. So I would set a timer for anywhere from, I would do, would I do a dice roll? I don't know if I would do a dice roll. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but I would, it would be anywhere from 15 minutes to 30 minutes. And I would, okay, this, these are, here's my, the weights I'm going to use for the session. And within that, I'm going to stay within this rep range. Right. And I just kind of pulled, just followed how my body responded on day seven. I completely overtrained. Um, I've, you hear people talk about overtraining and things like that. I don't think I I've never experienced overtraining Mm -hmm. before until that day. It felt like I had the flu for like 24 hours. Mm -hmm. I was like massive headache. My whole body was aching. Mm -hmm. I just felt like I had the flu and it was, uh, just all in one day. And next day I was hundred percent back to normal. But, um, for context of how much volume I did in that seven day period. So let's say within a plan strong program, recommendation guidelines for the deadlift are between 150 and as high as two, 300, maybe 300, but it's usually like between 150 and 250. Mm-hmm. In seven days, I pulled 172 reps. <laughs> like within a week, I pulled what most people would pull in a month. Yeah. <sighs> so I was like, and, and I didn't, and the weights I was using wasn't, they weren't heavy weights. Right. Just the, was, just the sheer volume of it though. Just on the that sheer short volume period of time. Of it just yeah. completely smoked my nervous system. Yeah. And so that was after that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to what I know, variability and learning how to plan it all out. So I did that. And that's when everything took off mm. at the end of 63 days, I went from 455 to four to 555 to 595. Pull that with, that was like an nine effort. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I closed the on day 85 um i didn't go for a, a one rep max i just did a like a rep max i ended up pulling 575 for a triple mm-hmm. and when i was doing this i never planned a one rep max i would never like okay at the end of 30 days i'm gonna do one right rep. right right mm-hmm. it i just like based on how i was feeling that's when i went for those attempts right so, so example at the end of that 30 days i have my range 91 to 100 percent right so i think it was like let's say example let's say at the end of that month i've got three reps at 91 to 100 percent. so i could pick any rep that i wanted to do that so what i was like feeling really good at the end of that 30 days so i went like 91 percent, which was like let's just say let's just say five four ninety five and then i did like 515 and then i just went for it Mm -hmm. But I could have done all three with 495 that day if I wanted to. You right. Know? But I was just feeling strong. So like, you know what? I'm going to plan it out and see if I can hit. Mm. And, and I did. And then I did the same thing when I hit the 595. Yeah. And so um, after that, uh, I took a couple of weeks off. And then that's when I did that power singles program. Okay. When I did, I'm on the minifrit. So I, I finished all that. And now I'm back to, um, I'm kind of recycling the deadlift daily plans but I'm not pulling them every day. Mm-hmm. It's the same protocol, but I'm just doing it three days a week now. Okay. So that's kind of where I'm at right now in, in, yeah. in the deadlift training. And in that's, this time I'm only training jujitsu mm-hmm. and I'm only doing the deadlift. I don't, do, I don't do anything else. I don't do any other kettlebell skills or anything. Mm-hmm. I'll press, I'll press from time to time, but, but I'm not like snatching or swinging or anything like that. Cause right, right. now my 100% focus is, the deadlift because i'm i am chasing that 705 pool that's so. awesome i love that i mean it's such an interesting approach i mean the 
the example that you gave of like a minimalist approach, I think was such a beautiful, um, you know, articulation of it, which I think would help a lot of people. I got a lot out of that. But then when you talked about the kind of framework inside like the 71 to 80, the Mm -hmm. 91 to 100, I think that's, it's a really great way of kind of taking the order and the chaos of structure, training, and intuition. I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's where it's like, it's been such an interesting thing. I've had a lot of conversations about the intuitive approach of training. You know, I've worked with Mm -hmm. Brett for a long time. He does it very much in an iron cardio based fashion and -hmm. work. And I think there's a lot of merit to it, but it still needs to be married in some way to the structure of having that down. And I think if you can get both of those down and like you, you build up your self-awareness of when you feel, you know, when you feel strong, that's when you go for it. And I've seen that with too many people. And I've tried it myself of like, Oh, by this date, this is when I'm supposed to have this Mm -hmm. in there. So you're almost, it's, it's a results driven mindset versus just a process and going through Mm -hmm. it and kind of practicing the art of it. So I think anybody, regardless of level, whether you're a beginner, intermediate, advanced, like, I think this is a really good approach that you can take towards your strength training. That's going to carry over into a lot more. And you're also going to save a lot of energy into thinking about a million different things. Just have some structure, listen to your body on the intuitive approach and and put it together that way. I think it's awesome. Yeah. You definitely got to have some structure and, you know, something I want to touch on to use because that's intuitive training is a buzzword right now. Yeah intuitive this intuitive eating like intuitive things for that so here's my opinion on that um i don't i don't think in my opinion beginners are um are well served started with an intuitive approach because if you think about it just think of the actual like the nature of intuitive training is you're relying on your feelings mm-hmm how I feel today. Well, sometimes the weights don't care about your feelings, right? (laughs) You're going to deadlift me today or you're not kind of thing, right? So I think with beginners, a blend of the two, but something structured in the beginning, because like Mm -hmm. as a beginner, like a structured program kind of protects you from yourself. Yes, (laughs) very much. Otherwise Mm -hmm. you're just, I mean, look at me, I burnt out in seven days of that deadlift because I, but people that like Brett and yourself who are experienced coaches can only train intuitively because for years you've trained by the numbers. Mm-hmm. So you know what you're capable of, yes. what you're not capable of. And I think I think it's easy for beginners to like, well, I'm just going to train intuitively. They're like, well, hold on there. Like, we need to know what you can do. And that's yes. going to take some time understanding your numbers. How much volume can you handle? How much, and like the intensity. And then after six months or a year of, of doing that, now we can get into some in, more of intuitive approach kind of thing. Uh, I, th- I just thought that was something I wanted to mention because that, that's a buzzword now of intuitive this or this or it, that. It is. I love that you mentioned that. And, you know, it's funny, Hector, like if we had this conversation six months ago, I would have been trying to push back on that. I was in this mindset of, oh, the intuitive approach, this is the way to go for everybody. And it's like, yeah. then, you know, with a lot of conversations and just kind of going through, it's like, yeah, it's a great approach to it. But you kind of almost have to earn your way into exactly. the intuition of it. And you know, the joke I, I made with some people, it's like, well, if you only listen to your intuition, it's like, well, when you wake up in the morning, what's your first intuition? It's to go back to bed because you're tired. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody would get up and do anything throughout the rest yeah. of the day. So, you know, I, you know, I think that's great. That was kind of the, that difference between, you know, kind of being honest with yourself of where you're at, you know, especially yeah. and if you're a coach, with where your clients at, like a structured approach of building that discipline up 
yeah. to earn your way into the intuitive approach. Like I think RPE is, it's a beautiful thing, but again, it's like, if you, if you're not experienced in it, you have no idea what the fuck your exertion is. Like what exactly. rate, you don't know what a five is versus a seven, you, you know, you might know what one versus a 10, but yeah. you don't know those little details in between it. So, um, yeah. no, this is great. Um, Hector, dude, we could go on for hours and hours here, man. <laughs> so this is great. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time. I love the the breakdown and, um, you know, all the work that you're putting into this. And I think I got so much out of this. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. You're very welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So if people want to follow you, check out more of your stuff. I know you're rebuilding the social media <laughs> yeah, in some ways. Uh, I know, I know you've got the site strongasheck.com. You can go check yeah. that out and then Instagram. Yeah. Instagram, same thing at strong as heck. Uh, my YouTube channel, I do a lot there too. Same mm -hmm. thing. Strong as heck on YouTube. Um, those are the two places that you'll find me. Beautiful. Uh, awesome, man. Well, brother, thank you so much. This is awesome. Listeners, go follow Hector. Check him out. Catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. It's, this group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength, and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. And you'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. I right, much love to you. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.